Hello and welcome to episode 45 of Beekeeping at Five Apple Farm. This is Lee. Thank you so much for joining me today. Let me just start right off by saying thank you to the newest patron in December, and that's Linda Aldridge. Thank you, Linda. I'm so glad to have you on board as farm crew, and I am going to get back to you on that message with the questions that you sent, because you had some very interesting questions. So uh, some of you may remember that I said on the Facebook page, I'd sent out a question. I put a picture up with a question and had asked for responses. I put that picture out on several of the beekeeping groups that I occasionally peruse and then also on the Five Apple page. And the question I posed is I said that I was preparing for a podcast on the wonderful, perhaps unexpected experiences, realizations, or understandings that keeping the bees and spending time with the bees had brought you. Um, the gratitudes that uh, being with the bees brings the beekeeper. And I just wanted to find out what they were for other people. I know that one of the things I am so grateful for, um, not just about the bees, but about this podcast, is the other beekeepers that it has put me in contact with. It has been so fun to hear from people in so many different places, keeping bees in so many different situations. One I want to tell you about before I get started is I had read in a podcast a few back a review that someone had left on um, Apple Podcasts, and I'd read the review. Um, on the show and I got this email from Rachel. Lee, I was listening to your podcast on my walk to work between the train station and my work and to my delight you mentioned my podcast review that I left on Apple Podcasts. I was so surprised I literally stopped in the middle of the Millennium Bridge crossing the Thames River and listened. See picture below complete with St. Paul's Cathedral in the background and my earphones still in. So I have a picture of this wonderful listener Rachel Hello, Rachel. I am so glad to meet you. Your email just made my day. And there she is in London listening to the podcast. And I have to say, this has been the most surprising thing about this podcast from the backwoods of North Carolina is to get mail from listeners. Mail, you know what I mean. <laughs> Showing my age there. Uh, e, getting E <laughs> from listeners in different parts of the world. That has just amazed me. But it's lovely. It's a lovely feeling how the beekeeping unites us, even though our, our our countries and our microclimates, for sure, are vastly different. So a very special thank you for that and to all of you. So some of the responses that people put on Facebook were kind of interesting. Well, first, let me stop. We are having a big windstorm here at the farm. It is a gorgeous blue sky, sun, but also the occasional 50 mile an hour gust of wind. So no matter where I get in the house, it's pretty loud. So if you hear a big roaring sound in the background, that is the wind. And I apologize for that. So back to people's answers. So someone named Kelly said, don't bend down and have your chin pressed against your veil with mad bees around. And I would say this is wise advice from Kelly. A sting to the chin is really, really itchy for days. I wish I could help, but my list would be so long. I am amazed by these little creatures. And that is something I have to say felt common in most every answer that I got is how amazed we all are at these little creatures that we tend. Another person, Bruce, said, I've realized that so many things beekeepers say are, quote, common knowledge, quote, are just plain wrong. When one speaks in absolutes, it only takes one occurrence the other way to render one's statement false forever. 
<laughs> Which is an interesting thought, but that is so true, Bruce. There are so many truisms that are only true if you say sometimes at the end. So someone named Beth described how appreciative she was that because she doesn't wear much protective gear, she had to uh, learn to slow down and be aware of her body language and to take her time with the bees and to watch how they respond. Patience and awe, she said, are what my bees have taught me. Someone named Chase wrote, Beekeeping is an agricultural science and a subjective art in cultivating houses, housing and sustaining a population of 50,000 flying stinging insects. It's incredible and awesome. You learn something every time you open a hive. And that is so true. If you're not learning something every time you open the hive, then in my opinion, you're moving a little too fast. <laughs> and believe me, I do that. But I find every time I slow down and really practice observation, I learn something. And I learn something that's going to make me better the next time I get in a hive. And then, of course, there's the other times when I rush through and mess things up and piss bees off and do it wrong. <laughs> that's the, the reality factor thrown in there. But someone named Cheryl wrote, I found that keeping bees has made me more in tune with nature in general. I'm more aware of what's blooming and I can identify more wildflowers than I could before. I can tell whether they are blooming early or later than they did last year. I notice subtle differences as the seasons change. I pay more attention to the weather and find myself outdoors more. Beekeeping can be a very introspective and peaceful pastime. Cheryl, you put that so beautifully. And I do love how it gets me out of the house <laughs> more um, even than I'm normally out of the house. But, you know, you have to walk out there and check and see what the bees are doing. So that gives me a perfect excuse. Um, the dachshunds have learned this and they put the guilt trip on me by saying that they could go on the walk and check out what the bees are doing, too. And so we all go down to the field and uh, and look at the bees. Now, this comment came from someone named Sindelin. And I just love this. She said, one of mine so far is that I've always been terrified of bees and all things with stingers. Until I turned 15 last year and got talked into putting on a bee suit and checking hives with my boyfriend and his granddad one time. After that, I've been so amazed by bees and honey production and so much more. Ignorance on the significance of bees is so sad to me now. Now I look at bees with gratitude and appreciation. My favorite thing to do is look and find the queen. I love checking the hives and inspecting them. However, I never expected that removing bees and catching them would be so complex. So first of all, it is just lovely to hear about a 16-year-old beekeeper that getting the young people hooked on this, I think it's so important. Thank you, Sindelin, and I hope you will become a listener. I would be so honored. Matthew Smith wrote, he saw the in the picture that I posted with the question, he saw that um, I have a lawn chair sitting out in the bee yard and he said I like the chair in the back to sit and watch that's pretty cool and I just want to say I love to see pictures of people's bee yards and a lot of times there will be you know the observation chair where you just hang out see what they're doing or you take a glass of wine down there in the evening or whatever type of uh, of cold or warm beverage depending on the season to hang out and uh, look at see what the bees are doing my bee yard in um, Arkansas. I don't know how exactly, well, how different, why it's so different than this one, but there was a spot in Arkansas I could set up the chair, 
be out of the flyway of the bees, but yet see the front of every single hive and just watch them. Oh, I just love that. It's one of my favorite things when I take the time. And I have to say, you know, when you get a whole bunch of hives, uh, you have to speed up on some things. And it does take away a little bit with the time I have just to hang out and observe. But um, I, I want to add that back in for sure. Of course, now I need several chairs, one at each yard. <laughs> All right. Alicia says, I like visiting them in the afternoon and watching the goings on. This was a common theme. There were lots of us who liked to go and sit and just hang out and watch the bees. Gabby wrote, I love seeing their signals. When we get ants coming in, they get really mad at those ants. I also love watching the flight patterns. Always so interesting. And on this whole theme, I have found that to be so true that the more time I spend just hanging out and watching the bees on a normal day, and even better yet, a gorgeous sunny flying day when there's things blooming, you really get to visually imprint on what is good, happy, strong bees. And once you have that visual imprint in your mind, um, if something's not right, if something about a hive is off, it's interesting, even how early, even early in your beekeeping, how you'll pick it up. Um, you'll just notice, uh, again, if you have several hives, you know, and four out of five are kind of looking similar, and then that fifth one is either way more populated or way less populated or way more active or not active at all, it really draws your eye quickly to uh, pick out the, the pattern that doesn't match the others. Had to pause there a second for a huge gust of wind. It's so amazing that uh, I'm sitting on a, at a beside a window that's almost on the second floor, and the leaves are literally blowing up. <laughs> They're just blowing up toward the sky. All right, so back to the comments. Greg Burns, who, if I'm not mistaken, is one of the hosts on the Contrary Beekeeper podcast. Greg wrote, in my yard, there's a chair. We're on this chair theme. An ordinary chair in an extraordinary place of specialness. In this place, in this chair, the bees have taught me so much about them, about me, about life. The bees have taught me things, but one of the greatest is to have an open mind and heart of thankfulness and appreciation. The bee, the tree, and me, one. Greg, that is so beautifully put. Just lovely. And I, I'm with you. I have been there in my chair feeling those same things. Someone named Thomas said that something he appreciates is telling the bees. I tell my bees about all the things about my family experience, good and bad, births, deaths, accomplishments, and disappointments. They are part of our family and loved and cared for as family. Thomas, thanks for mentioning um, this very old tradition of telling the bees major goings-on in the household. I believe this is an English tradition, and it was uh, believed that if you didn't keep the bees up to date, that they were more prone to leave. And one of the main things that you had to tell the bees was if their beekeeper had died, that the, um, the remaining family members had to tell the bees that this had happened. And I've even seen uh, paintings of black cloth draped over the top of hives uh, where the beekeeper had died. And this brings to mind something, a sad occurrence in our Western North Carolina beekeeping community. Frank Frisbee, who is a past president of the Madison County Bee Club, um, someone who was, has just mentored and encouraged so many people and gotten so many things, great things going. The Madison Club is a thriving club. 
they have um, a so you know an, an apiary of their own, and they have I believe a honey house. Anyway, it's a very active, thriving club, and one of the great contributors to that was Frank. He passed away recently, very suddenly and quite unexpectedly, and um, they are having a celebration of his life soon of, among the uh, at the uh, Beekeepers Association. And one of the things they're going to do, Sarah of our bee shop, the closest bee shop to me, which is Honey in the Hive in Weaverville, she is going to lead the telling of the bees in their club apiary, which I think is just a beautiful tradition and a, a fitting tribute to someone who did so much um, for beekeepers in our area. So Frank, I'm sending this out to you. He was very, very kind to me um, when in the few times that I got to talk to him and um, it's, it's just a beautiful thing to be remembered with so much love by so many people uh, in your work toward the bees. So Jeff Tillander, one of our long-term uh, podcast supporters, said, I'm grateful for the friendships I've made with other beekeepers and the support they've given me in my first year of beekeeping. That includes you, Lee. And Jeff, you are doing such a beautiful job. I've enjoyed interacting with you. Jeff is a patron on Patreon and it's just, um, it's really lovely in that smaller uh, setting to get to know people and I appreciate every single patron over there. Another patron, Chris Palgrave of Three Hairs Honey in Hampshire, England, wrote a beautiful post about some things he was grateful for. Really lovely. Here it is. For me, discovering bees was a watershed moment, an epiphany, whereas I was blind, I now see. Such moments of great revelation are rare, but step through the door into the world of beekeeping and your life will never be without wonder. Who cannot help but be mesmerized by the sight of bees coming and going at the hive entrance, or struck by a sense of awe at the architectural perfection and miracle of nature that is honeycomb? The philosopher and beekeeper Richard Taylor observed that, quote, Books on apiculture describe how to produce honey, but fail to note how beautiful it is. Explain how to tend bees, but do not say how joyous it can be. And describe swarms, but say nothing about how inspiring it is to behold one. Quote. He was right, of course. There's tremendous knowledge and wisdom contained within books, a vast and unfathomable body of literature in which I can happily lose myself for hours at a time. However, despite all that is written, it is the sheer wonder that exists between the lines which underlies the deep joy and mutual understanding shared by beekeepers from every walk of life and from around the world. Bees, it seems, like music, are common language which speak to the very soul. We need to take time to listen. Chris, that is so beautiful. I just want to post that on my wall. It is so beautiful and so true. Keeping on the theme of wonder, Vince wrote this wonderful post. I am grateful for the opportunity to pay it forward to the next generation of beekeepers. Being a teacher, I have a great platform to educate children about bees. I probably get stopped in the hallway 20 times a day to answer questions about my bees. I have kids in my classroom every day asking if I have any new videos to share. Even my sister, who is an autistic support teacher, uses my picture and videos to calm some of her students down. I am truly blessed to be able to share my beekeeping adventures every day. Vince, that is a blessing indeed, and that is a blessing on those kids, in my opinion, to be exposed to someone who's in touch with nature and who's willing to share it with them. I know 
I have been amazed at how children are drawn uh, to the observation hive. My local bee club, we take the little observation hive, the one that the bees don't live in, but you just put them in for a temporary uh, time. We've taken that to the craft fair several years, and one year when I was the um, the person who stands with the observation hive and explained it to people, I could not believe how so many kids, not all, but so many kids just like zeroed in and just were transfixed by watching the bees. And also, I was amazed at how many of them just kind of instinctively got what was going on. Um, <laughs> there was a very, we had a tiny piece of paper that just like a little corner off a piece of paper that somehow got stuck inside the observation hives. So the whole time, it was very brightly colored too. You know, the bees would take this piece of paper and were just running around um, all over the hive with this piece of paper. Of course, they were looking for an exit to get out and take the trash out. Um, but one of them would drop it and another one pick them up. And so the kids loved following this little piece of paper uh, all over the hive. And in fact, I'd said, I think we should just put a tiny bit of paper in it in every time because it was such a fascination to people. And it was also delightful to see how many kids um, could instantly, once we described what the queen looked like, could spot her. And I, that kind of visual pattern recognition, I would just peg them as uh, as <laughs> both potential beekeepers and four-leaf clover spotters. But um, we would describe the queen as slightly larger, not striped, and kind of wasp-like. And, and almost every group of kids that were standing around, there would be one who would just point and go, oh, is that her? And a lot of times uh, it was her. So that was a real delight. And Vince, you get to do that so often. So bravo to you for doing that, Vince. Someone else wrote in, Cleo wrote, We live on six wild and wooded acres in Texas. The bees have helped me to become more familiar and knowledgeable about all the flora. I'll hear the bees foraging, hone in on their buzz, and find them happily going to town on this flower or the other. Then I'll set to work identifying that plant, making notes in my naturalist journal and Instagram, and mentally saving that information for next year. I've learned a ton about our property from the bees. They love sumac flowers. And she has a picture of the bees on um, sumac blooms. And Cleo, I, I just, I'm so respectful of anyone who can keep their naturalist journal because I always aspire to and then I write down you know bloom notes in you know sometimes I write it on my phone sometimes I jot it on a piece of paper sometimes I put in Evernote anyway I don't have I can't keep up with them but I do love that the connection you get with the land um, that comes from keeping bees which brings to mind in this utterly random collage of a podcast uh, a phrase I heard yesterday I'm listening to a new podcast and if you are a, a passionate gardener um, you might uh, enjoy it. It's called, I think it's called Cultivating a Sense of Place. Um, I will find it and put the link in the in the show notes. And by the way, I put the show notes over on Patreon. It's patreon.com slash fiveapple, F-I-V-E-A-P-P-L-E. And anyone, the show notes are always um, public. And then, of course, on Patreon, I also put little bonus posts for the people who've gone to the trouble to be um, supporters so but I'll find that podcast but the person was talking about gardening and they said that once they found gardening they found that the garden gave them a sense of place a sense of season and a sense of purpose and 
I just grabbed my phone and and recorded that because that to me sums up so much of the the gratitude that I have to my bees is that sense of place in the heightened awareness you get of what's going on in your uh, in your zone and in your little tiny microclimate right around your bees and then a sense of season and all the changes and being aware and just being more attuned to how things are changing and a sense of purpose for sure because even when I just feel very confused as to what it is I'm doing in the world <laughs> the the bees give me it's, it's like my true north and get remind me okay this is a place I can contribute however big of a mess the world might be in places um, this is something I can contribute my little tiny contribution could be uh, helping the bees learning more about the bees and above all sharing that and this podcast is part of that so you guys help me to remember everything that is important <laughs> about beekeeping and uh, I can I can be a person that gets so into the doing that I can go too fast and I can um, cut short the you know the observation and the letting it soak in but that's where the the wisdom and understanding happens so thank you to all of you and thanks to people like Cleo who remind me that I still want to keep a notebook about what is blooming I'm gonna do that one day so once again continuing on this sense of wonder a woman named Shiley writes in I'm grateful for the childlike sense of wonder and amazement they inspire me and Gladys continues I'm grateful for all the bees have taught me and all the new friends that I've made in the process so true Gladys and my friend Michelle <laughs> wrote in bees don't need us we need them there are no truer words. I don't know what I would do without my bees. Oh, and I have to tell you guys. So all this time in the past, while I have, you know, the years that I have had bees um, out in the yard, but not inside the house and inside the barn, you know, winter, I did just a lot of wondering what was going on with them out there. But I have to tell you the funniest thing, this observation hive in the house has just given me a whole new set of things to worry about, <laughs> about looking at them and trying to figure out, you know, is this normal um, and what should I do about it? Because it is such an, an unusual circumstance for bees to be in. They've used up all the pollen in their pollen frame. And I just, I just don't know if that's okay for them to be in, you know, winter. I mean, they have a sugar water feeder, so they, they have the carbohydrate, um, portion and they, and they don't have a lot of brood I mean they raised a big flush of brood uh, right there um, I guess it was really October uh, late October early November they actually did a, a, a bunch of brood which I'm assuming was you know artificially large just because they're uh, they're in a warm environment but they used up that pollen I mean dramatically and so now I'm wondering what to do. I, I do think I will just next time there's a warm day. I may have said this on the podcast already. And if you're a new listener, I'm going to repeat myself. Um, so I just apologize in advance and blanket for all the, um, but I, I've got to, if I can get a warm day, I've got to take them out there and find um, a frame of pollen in my freezer stash just to, uh, so I won't worry about it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so so I find myself um, fretting about, you know, do they have enough pollen? Is that okay? And then the bees in the barn, um, you know, I'm like, is it okay? Do they need anything? Do I need to open them? So anyway, uh, just like my spouse said, now I can worry about bees all year long, <laughs> but it gives my mind something to do. But speaking of which, 
something to do. I have an off day and all I've been wanting to do lately, um, and I thought about this a lot while I was prepping for Thanksgiving with 22 people, what I really wanted to be doing was out in the yard planting trees and shrubs. I have a bunch of trees and shrubs in the area affectionately called my shrub farm, which is really just all the stuff I haven't gotten around to yet in planting. And, um, uh, as long as, since the ground's not frozen, as long as the ground's not frozen, then I can, uh, plant trees and shrubs and I've got all these ready to go, but, um, I can't seem to get the weather and the off day to line up at the right time. But anyway, so today I was hoping I would do that. And what are we having but a windstorm? It's not very pleasant to be out there and planting trees in a windstorm just doesn't seem fun even to me. <laughs> but so that'll be something I'm going to uh, talk to you about soon because for those of you in the parts of the country and the parts of your country that, um, you know, if the ground's not frozen, then it's actually most of the winter uh, you can plant um, uh, trees and shrubs. And I hope to talk about some of the good ones to do that. So let me start to wrap this up. Um, thanks for putting up with just this hodgepodge of gratitudes. I hope that it will bring to mind um, the things that you have enjoyed and learned and are grateful for as the beekeeping season in uh, much of the U.S., most of the upper U.S. has come to a close. You guys down in Florida, <laughs> I, I kind of have envy and then I kind of also am, am glad for the break uh, of the, the heavier work. Um, but I'll be talking to you throughout the winter. Again, send me topics that you think of. Several of you have written in and I will start working on those and thinking about and digging around and see if I can find something good to read you on some of these topics. I have some thank yous. Thanks, Rich White. Um, he wrote a recommendation on the Facebook page. He said, this is the best beekeeping podcast I've come across and I think I've listened to them all. So that, I love to hear that. I know that every podcast is not going to be, you know, a write home about podcasts, but you regular listeners just touch my heart. Um, overall, the podcast has now passed 40,000 downloads, all total, all the episodes. And um, some episodes have well over a thousand listens. And that just blows me away. I am so appreciative of you each and every one. But I want to send out deep early December gratitude to the patrons over in the Patreon page. Michael Clancy, who is a co-producer of the show with his support. Jason Duncan, Mandy Shaw, Mark Smith, Dean Richardson, Wayne Richardson, Chuck Jenkins, Matthew Skeen, Susan Howitt, Darla Luke, Megan Dyson, Patricia Harness, Jennifer Blaylock, Will Chen, Bruce Hunt, Deborah Palmer, Chris Palgrave, Jeff Tillender, Blaine Nay, and our newest Patreon, Linda Aldridge. If you would like to join in supporting the podcast, I would welcome you over at patreon.com slash fiveapple. But there's no pressure because as long as you're a listener and you're enjoying and learning from this, then it's all good. And I appreciate you. Have a great week. I'm going to try to get back on my schedule, try to pull myself back together in my more regular schedule. However, realistically, with the various holidays um, and some family travel and all the usual things, it may be a little haphazard. Uh, until I get to January and make all those New Year's resolutions to be disciplined and regular. <laughs> and that lasts, oh, I don't know, maybe three weeks. But uh, stick with me. I appreciate you all. Have a wonderful week. I'll talk to you soon.